Well, this is really special for us, guys. Um, this is like baby's first Christmas. We're like a little baby church, and this is South Bend City Church's first Christmas. And we've been um, looking forward to this, planning on this, praying for this. And more than anything else, just hoping that on a night like tonight, people who are looking for a home, who maybe you feel a little lost in the season, maybe you feel a little lost looking for community, maybe you feel a little lost in questions about God, whatever that feels like to you, we, we want more than anything to create a home for people who don't have one. And so if that's you, I want to especially say we're really, really pumped that you are here. And everything Ryan said about what we're trying to become, I was like, yes, like amen, like that's exactly what we were trying to become together. So lots of things are helping us get there, like what happens from 6.30 to 7.45 on a Wednesday night is helping us get there, and we are really excited about that. Also, what happens from 7.45 to like 11 p.m. most Wednesday nights is helping us get there. Where are my people at? Yeah, right? Yeah, so maybe you didn't know this, but um, a, a bunch of us hang out at 7.45-ish when the program gets done. We're just trying to become a family together, and that's a family that's got room for everyone. So at 745, like, the bar opens over there, if that's your thing. We got food over here. I think people brought their own, like, favorite Christmas snacks to share, which is perfect for family, right? Uh, we got hot chocolate. We got water over there. So um, just know that you're welcome, and we'd love to have you. If you have kids over at the Y, you could go get them and bring them back, and kids just run around, and the concrete floor is super safe, so don't worry about it. Uh, but really, uh, that happens too, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, as we become a family, we're mindful that there's a bunch of individual stories being woven into this family. One of those stories, did I just, forgive me, I never bring my phone up here, ever, and I was supposed to bring my phone up here for a particular reason, I'm sorry guys. Um, one of the families that's a, very much a part of South Bend City Church, uh, but you may not have met because they've almost never been able to be here physically, are friends named Rick and Chelsea. Rick and Chelsea had a beautiful baby boy early July, and uh, immediately discovered their baby boy was really sick. And so from July until the day before Thanksgiving, they were in the NICU for a week in South Bend and then for months in uh, Indianapolis at Riley. And it's really, really great that they got to bring their baby boy home. But now they're pretty much on quarantine in their house with uh, little baby Theo's vulnerabilities as they try to take care of him and manage his care. So um, here's what I thought. Like, I'm going to swing by there on Christmas Day. Wouldn't it be fun if we just, like, wished uh, little baby Theo a Merry Christmas. So um, how about this? You guys are going to say Merry. You're going to say first. You're going to say, oh, you, well, you, we should make the big side say Theo. Let's do that. You're going to say Merry. Got it. Merry. First. Christmas. Theo. Theo. Got it? Theo. Like Huxtable. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to see, I mean, I, I, let's see, you know, this, this is brilliant. So you're going to see me turn to your section, okay? We'll do, maybe, we might need more than one run, but guys, this is going to be so great for them. I'm going to, yeah, it'll be wonderful. Okay, so I'm starting with you guys. I'm going to say a couple of, like, preacherly, pastorly things, right? And then I'm going to say, we all wanted to say, Merry First Christmas Theo. Yeah, and then you can cheer or something like that or whatever feels appropriate in the moment, okay? All right, so uh, here goes. Hey, Rick, Chelsea, and Theo, uh, all of South Bend City Church loves you guys very much. And we know that you can't be here in person, but it doesn't mean that we're not here uh, with you in spirit with everything you guys have been walking through. So we especially wanted to say to baby Theo, Merry Christmas, Theo! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> awesome. We love you guys. You guys nailed that. That was amazing. That was awesome. 
Uh, in a little bit, we'll turn to our candle lighting, which is for us tonight um, a way of praying, a way of meditating, practicing, reflecting, and it's a space for all of us. So even if you don't believe the things that our community believes at our center about the, the Jesus story, about uh, the language of God that we use here in this community, even for you, I just, I'm really glad. And that's maybe a space for you to simply reflect on where you're at and where you long for light to break in or where you hope that love might be more apparent in the world and maybe whether you have something to do with whether it shows up. Uh, so we have a shared reflection coming right around the corner. But before we get there, I just want to turn your attention to one of the ways that the Bible talks about the story of Jesus, in particular the Christmas story, but it's not the normal one. So like a lot of us, like we've been to the church nativity thing and we've heard the Luke version of the Christmas story that we read earlier in our gathering tonight, right? So there's that one, the angels come and the shepherds and Joseph gets the story. And a little later in our gathering, we're going to hear from John's gospel. John uses philosophical, metaphysical language to talk about this mystery of Jesus coming into the world. And I'm going to turn to another text that uses really dramatic language that we call apocalyptic. Uh, it's like, it's almost as if Jesus coming into the world for the people who were there and they touched it and they encountered it. And even the people a generation or two later who didn't walk the road with Jesus physically, but they encountered Jesus somehow. It's almost like there's a mystery there that is so profound and so deep and it comes so powerfully within us that we need all the language we can use to get there, right? It, it's almost to say the mystery isn't, a mystery isn't like that it's hidden from us and we can't find the words for me, it's almost like it's a mystery that we need all the words we can get, and that we'll, we'll keep having to press into it, and it, it transcends, it. it's beyond our words to talk about what's happening, but we'll use all the words that we can get our hands on to talk about this mystery. So I want to turn to a version of the Christmas story that maybe you haven't heard before. It's in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible. It's the one that all the crazy preachers talk about to sell books, and... Uh, <laughs> Because it's got all this really intense, dramatic stuff going on. It can be weird and confusing and interesting. And it's, uh, it's in uh, your little insert there. It says Revelation 12 at the top. But before I turn to this, I want to tell you about a story that was very popular 2,000 years ago. This was in the pagan religion of the Roman Empire. And the story went something like this. There's a, there's a, a woman in the heavens, if you will, a goddess of sorts. And her name is Leto, L-E-T-O. Now, Leto has uh, gotten busy with Zeus. So there's a baby on the way, okay? And Zeus and Leto are going to have this child. Now, Leto has been pursued around the heavens by a dragon named Python, which is a pretty great name for a dragon if you're going to name a dragon, right? So a dragon named Python is chasing, pursuing Leto around the heavens. And when this baby is going to be born, this dragon named Python, the dragon wants to devour the woman and the baby that are coming into, the, into the, the heavenly world, if you will. And the baby that is to be born is the god Apollos. This is in, in, the, in the way that they told the story of the way the heavens worked back then, right? Now, the thing about this story is that the Romans were just like, like just franchising the entire ancient world, right? So they're just expanding their empire all over the ancient world. And the way they expand this empire is through violence, like the worst kind of violence. I mean, they show up and you're your own little tribe, your own little village, living life the way that you want to. Maybe things are fine for you, but they come up and they say, we are going to bring you into our empire. We're going to assimilate you. And if you don't like it, well, then here are the consequences for that. And they were very, very good at coming up with very, very, very difficult consequences. And so as they kept expanding, village after village, tribe after tribe says, fine, I'll buy into the Roman thing because I don't want you to crucify me. I don't want you to torture me. I don't want you to rape our women and children. I don't want you to do the difficult, awful things that you do when people say no. 
So that's just, that's just expanding in the ancient world. And as the Roman Empire grows, along with it, there's, there's just this depravity and corruption. It's a dark world. So whether you look at the way the government works or the military works or whether you look at the way that people handle their sex lives or whatever, I mean, it's just, it's just all out of bounds. It's all really, really messed up. And along the way, the Roman empires, or the emperors, they began taking that story I told you of Leto and the dragon named Python and, uh, and the baby Apollos. They, they began associating so themselves with that story because that was a story about chaos and evil threatening the world. That's the dragon, right? Chaos and evil are threatening the world. And then this baby is going to be born to sort of save the world and defeat all that evil. And the emperors, they start using that story saying, this is about me. So, for example, Caesar Augustus starts sort of aligning himself. He's sort of like a walking, living, breathing Apollo story on planet Earth. This is how he explained what he was doing with his empire through the world. In fact, if you look at coins, and we actually looked at one of these a few weeks ago in our printout. If you looked at coins they were making during that time, uh, you see uh, Caesar Augustus, the leader of the Roman Empire for a while, his face is on the coin, and wait for it, there are radiant beams. Does that sound familiar from a Christmas song, by the way? There are radiant beams coming sort of from his head, which if you look at it back then, that would be like saying, like, like a halo would tell you you're looking at an angel, right? Well, a radiant beam in that imagery tells you you're looking at Apollos. You're looking at the God who's here to save the world from all of that violence and corruption. But the problem is, all he did was violence and corruption. And that's the way the empire spread, through violence and corruption. It's, it's almost like this story was being told and, and, and the empire, emperors were using it to describe themselves. It was a way of saying, look, I'm the one that's going to protect you from all the chaos, so just play by my rules. Just go along with my game. Just live in the world the way that I want you to live in the world. In fact, if you think you want to resist this way of being in the world that, that we're trying to show you, don't. If there's a little voice that speaks up inside you that says this is not the way that things should be, put a mute button on that voice. This story was a way of getting the masses, getting the individuals, getting all kinds of people to shut down the part within them that says this is not the way that things should be, to shut down the place within them that says maybe there is a better way, a, a truer way of being human. This mythology was told to get everybody to stop listening to that voice. Everybody tracking with me? That's the story of Leto and the dragon named Python and Apollos and the way that, like, a spiritual sickness was just being spread through the world. And when I say spiritual, I just mean the thing that sort of holds us together. I mean, your emotions, your body, your intellect, your brain, your joy, your memories, your hopes, the, the way all of that is sort of held together, and it's more than a body, isn't it? I mean, it's more than neurons firing, it seems. All that gets held together, and I use the word spiritual for that, and it's like there was a sickness just spreading through the world that affected that part of things for everyone. I want to hold on to all of that. Now, I want to read Revelation 12 with you. This is um, a strange telling of the Christmas story, but pay close attention. John writes, he says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman dressed all in sunlight, standing on the moon and crowned with 12 stars. She was giving birth to a child and cried out, cried out in the pain of childbirth. And then another sign alongside the first a huge and fiery dragon. It had seven heads and ten thorns and a crown on each of the seven heads. And with one flick of its tail, it knocked a third of the stars from the sky and dumped them on the earth. And you can just feel things getting darker, right, as those lights that light up the world are taken down. 
The dragon crouched before the woman in childbirth, poised to eat up the child when it came. Now the woman gave birth to a son who will shepherd all nations with an iron rod. Her son was seized and placed safely before God on his throne, and the woman herself escaped to the desert to a place of safety prepared for God, by God, all comforts provided to her for 1,260 days. Now the, the day stuff, that can get really weird. We won't worry about that today, right? But when we read that this, uh, this son will shepherd the nations with an iron rod, that's pulling from the ancient poetry and prayers of the Israelites from the book of Psalms. And this is a story about a king in the line of Israel that will come. And the, the interesting thing about this is everybody reading this letter is going to know that he's taking a story about Rome's power and he's flipping it upside down to talk about Jesus. Because how does Jesus come into the world? With the power of a military? No, he comes as vulnerable as a baby. And what's the energy of Jesus' movement in the world? Is it we are stronger than you and if you disagree with us, we will take you down? No, the energy of it is sacrificial, servant-hearted love moving through the world. Everybody reading this, they would probably have a bit of a twilight zone, like, like disorientation moment, because they would recognize that John was using a story that was being used in the world about worldly power and military to justify a broken, broken system. He was taking that story, and he was flipping it upside down to say, that's not how evil gets held back. You know how evil gets held back? By a baby that's born into this world that we discover is God in the flesh, entering this world with all of his vulnerability, all of this weakness, that he might teach us what it's like to live more human, what it's like to love. And then that he would go and die on behalf of you and me. That's actually how the evil is pushed away. That's actually how you and I are made human again. That's actually how the story moves forward to something better. That's what it caught people. Uh, they would have caught that he was doing something really subversive with this telling of the Christmas story. Now, the, the writing goes on here. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back but were no match for Michael. So they were cleared out of heaven, not a sign of them left. The great dragon, ancient serpent, the one called devil and Satan, the one who led the whole earth astray, thrown out, and all his angels thrown out with him, thrown down to the earth. And already we see this is a story that's, that's saying we are in the middle of evil being defeated. Like we're, if, if you're a person who thinks maybe you should resist what is evil in the world, maybe you should stand up to what is broken in the world. If you're a person who thinks you should stop settling for what falls short in your own life? Well, this story says, push into that. Pay attention to that. Like, keep moving toward that because you're not alone. The whole story is actually going there. Evil's already been rejected from heaven, and it's about to be rejected from the earth. Now, things get worse before they get better. This is uh, the next little bit here. Then I heard a strong voice out of heaven saying, salvation and power are established. Kingdom of our God, authority of his Messiah. The accuser of our brothers, accuser, by the way, is another word for Satan, which means literally the accuser, the one who stands in a heavenly court and calls out God's people and says, here's what's wrong with them. And that voice is being silenced and shut down. The accuser of our brothers and sisters thrown out who accused them day and night before God. They defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. They weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. So rejoice, O heavens, and all who live there. Now, right there, you, you just hear the excitement of this story. Like, not only has this child been born, not only has God arrived to defeat evil and lead us into a better and fuller way of being human, a more beautiful world, right? But on top of that, uh, 
these people who are invited into that, they don't love themselves. They were willing to participate in that work. Like, like hope breaks in when you and I learn to live our lives in the pattern of this story, right? Now, there's, a, there's one more movement here, and I like this because it's real and it resonates with what I feel so many days. But doom <laughs> to earth and sea. Now, hold on. But doom to earth and sea, for the devil's come down on you with both feet. He's had a great fall. He's wild and raging with anger. He hasn't much time, and he knows it. So this isn't just like Buddy the Elf, Christmas, everything's happy, right? There's like a sobering, serious word in this story. Like, kind of like, woe is you, because you do live in a contested world. And look, if most of us were like living far removed from that experience, I'd be like, that's just a downer, that's a bummer, right? But the fact is, all of us see in different ways every day that this is a contested world. All of us see in different ways every day that evil has a grip on, on parts of this world, that evil has a grip on parts of our hearts, that evil plays in the system, that evil plays in our lives. We see it. We see it in the headlines. We see it in our families. We see it in our private, personal struggles. We feel that sometimes, don't we? In this story, first of all, it names it. It says, yeah, you, you do live in a world where there is still evil. You live in a world where Syria happens. You live in a world uh, with homeless on our streets who don't know how to find warmth. You, you live in a world with the private addictions that resist, or exist behind closed doors that we don't show anyone about. You live in a world where families break down. We, we do live in that real world, and this story acknowledges that. But this story says evil is not raging because it is so powerful. Evil is raging because it knows it's going to be defeated. That's what this story says. This is a way of understanding the Christmas story. And it doesn't make any sense because this is a baby born. All the vulnerability and frailty of a baby born. It doesn't make any sense except they saw it with their very own eyes. They discovered that the life that Christ was rising up inside of them, that that life unexpectedly somehow was stronger than the evil. That that flickering light was actually more powerful than all the darkness. And so we meditate on the Christmas story, not pretending the world isn't difficult right now. We meditate on the Christmas story, not pretending that maybe your life isn't really difficult right now. We look at it precisely because we believe as a community that evil is raging only because it knows it is defeated. And you and I, with all of the ways that we resist, all of the ways that we rise up, all of the ways that we side with love, not hate, that we side with engagement and not indifference, all the ways that we decide we will not be the ones who look right past our neighbors, we will look them in the eye, honor them and dignify them and walk with them, all of the ways that we will press in together not leave one another alone, and all of those ways, we're pressing forward because we believe that story is being written, it has this energy behind it, it has this force and this power and this promise behind it, it has this history behind it and this future leading it. This Christmas, don't you dare think the darkness has the final word. It may feel oppressive. It, it may be stronger than ever right now in the holiday season. Uh, a member of our community uh, here, I don't know if he's here tonight, but Chad, uh, he's a firefighter and EMT. And I ran into him a couple weeks ago when we were at Lang Lab doing the, the Christmas music show. And I asked Chad, I said, hey man, how's, how's life, how's work? And again, firefighter, EMT. And he says, well, work, he's like, you know, it's the holidays. And I'm like, well, you don't work in retail, so I don't know what that means, you know? <laughs> I was like, what, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, it just means a lot more drug overdoses. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's a hard season. This is a complicated season. 
This is a season where some people feel the darkness more than ever. Maybe that's you tonight, and I'm just here to tell you, A, that's okay, you can name that here, and B, we don't think that means the light isn't coming. It means we'll, we'll find the light together, we'll walk toward the light together, and if you need a little light brought into your life by a neighbor, we're, we're going to walk with you and do that together, okay? So today, uh, we want to practice this story, this movement of the vulnerability of a small little light breaking into all that darkness, and somehow yet that vulnerable little light is actually more powerful than all the evil, right? We want to return to the story and, and, and act somehow, even in our community here, some symbol, some image of the idea that this baby that was born 2,000 years ago wasn't just another baby, that the death that he died wasn't just the way the story always goes, that the military power wins, that he came out of that grave and that that light will persist and that you and I are a part of the story that says evil will not have the final word. So, um, so here's what we're going to do. In a few movements, we're just going to briefly meditate together, reflect. So if you're a person for whom prayer makes sense, pray with us in these moments and find your own words internally to those prayers. If you're a person um, for whom sort of silent meditation makes sense, just to, just to breathe deeply and, and feel your own body for the first time in a long time, like, do that with us now. If you're a person for whom reflection is really desirable, then reflect in this time. Take an inventory of your life. Pull together all the disparate parts of yourself that have been scattered this week and see if, as those come together, God doesn't lead us somewhere as we meditate. So, um, so the first thing that we're going to do... Oh, sorry. Uh, does everybody have a candle? If you don't, will you do me a favor? Will you uh, raise your hand if you don't have a candle? And we've got uh, some volunteers that will make sure... It looks like we're all good. Okay, awesome. You're going to want that in a minute. It'd be a real bummer if you didn't have a candle when we're talking about, like, don't be in the dark, you know? Um, here's the first thing we're going to do, which is really simple. It's this. Would you with me, um, we'll, we'll, we'll allow the room to go just dark, okay? And we'll just meditate on, on darkness for a moment. Not to be like a downer, but let's turn the lights off. And uh, we, we don't have fancy lighting boards yet, so we have to do things with light switches one at a time. <laughs> but... We'll, uh, we'll kill the lights. Yeah, let's pull the trees too. Perfect. And um, let me just ask you simply this. Where have you felt the darkness or seen it? Have you felt it or seen it in your own life, in your heart? Is there a sadness or a grief or a depression or an addiction or a pattern? Maybe the word for it is sin or I, I don't know, but uh, where have you seen it in your own life? And where have you seen the darkness in those you love? Maybe it's blood family, mom, dad, brother, sister, wife, husband, kids. Or maybe you've seen it in those you love at your workplace or in your school or your neighbors on the block. Where have you seen any kind of darkness? Maybe a long time ago, maybe sometime this year, maybe today. And where have you seen darkness in the world? Have you seen a disturbing video from Aleppo? Have you read the stats on just how many people are struggling in the world today, economically, relationally? Have you just sort of felt it in intangible ways? Have you felt it in your body or in your heart that there are dark pockets in this world? Sometimes it seems like 
it all over. Have you seen it in the world? And now I want to invite Amina to come up and read for us from another one of those tellings of the story of Jesus. This is John chapter 1. He talks uh, in his own way about the Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And I want to ask you have, you, have you had some experience of the light of Christ in your life? Maybe it was when you were young, and sometime in your journey you had this first experience that this story is not just a story, it's real in some way. Maybe it was because somebody loved you really well in a church, somebody in your family older than you who told you these stories. Maybe it was recent, maybe it was a, on a Wednesday night at a Southland City Church gathering, and it, just something about the way that you heard the scriptures or the way that we sang or the ways that we put our arms around one another, you felt for the first time in a long time maybe that this light was breaking in. Maybe for you, if, if, if the things that our community holds true about Jesus and about God don't resonate with you, but maybe you could reflect on simply how it is that hope or light or love has broken into your world. And it may have seemed small in comparison to the darkness, and yet there it is, and you're grateful for it. And even as that wind sort of flickers that flame, I just think it feels so vulnerable sometimes, doesn't it? And yet from the vulnerability of a baby born, we discovered that God was with us. From the vulnerability of a baby in a manger, we discovered that love has more power than all the violence in the world. From a dark night where Herod said, kill all of the kids because I don't like the threat against my kingdom that Jesus represents. Somehow from that dark night, Followers of Jesus around the world have learned how to lay down their lives, that more love could break in. And now I'm going to invite uh, those who are going to help you guys light your candles to come forward. Uh, let's say this, by the way. The brick was really nice to let us do a bunch of candles in a property we don't own, and so we promised we'd try to be good about it. So simple rule. If your candle is lit, just don't tip it ever, Right? And so uh, as we pass this light around the room, uh, your unlit candle, you're going to tip it to the lit candle and share this light around the room together. And as you do, we'll just think about the fact that not only has the light come for us, but it's come through a community of new brothers and sisters and strangers coming together who are learning to love one another well, right?
And as we light these candles, we'll, uh, we'll sing as Dan leads us. So let me just encourage you to look around the room. If you feel isolated in a dark place, let me just tell you, you're not. I mean, I know it may be dark, but you're not alone. And if you're convinced that darkness will not end, I'm here to tell you, it will end. I don't know how long it will take or how the light will break in, but I believe through and through in my bones 
the darkness ends, as Christ breaks in, God does not give up on this world and he does not give up on you. If in the darkness you become convinced that the dark ways of the world are how things really work, maybe here for the first time in a long time, no. There is a better way, a truer way of being human. It's the one that Jesus is teaching us, the one that we are practicing together. And yet, in the world, it is dark out there sometimes. So we must be the ones who carry our light out into those dark places together, right? Don't be shy. Don't fear that the darkness will consume what light you have. But also, let's be sure we come back together again and again. Share the light with one another. Wrap our arms around one another. Be cheerleaders and champions for each other. Brothers and sisters together, learning how it is that we share this light with the world. Uh, carefully, if, if you're able, will you just sort of raise this candle above your head for a moment? And if you're able, hold that up there while I say this to you. May you discover the light breaking into your life today. May you know that God has not left you alone in your darkness, but that he is coming for you. And you, when you see the darkness of this world, may you remember that you have been given a light to shine against that darkness. And it may seem so fickle, so frail, but the darkness trembles when it sees it. And may we remember that the light that we share together, when we come together, when we know that we don't do this alone, that it is enough to chase away the darkness. You can uh, lower your candle. And uh, carefully now, so that there's no wax on the hair of the person in front of you. <laughs> You want to put a hand in front of that candle and we'll blow these out while we turn the lights back on. Friends, we're pretty much done with this part of it, but let me say uh, two things. First, um, if you're a person who feels like you have no real spiritual home, let me just tell you, we would love to always hold a chair for you. You're always welcome here. You can always belong here. I hope that you can hang out after, really. We love to get to know each other. We say this a lot, if this is not your first time at South End City Church, if this is not your first time, you are officially deputized as a greeter starting right now, right? And a whole bunch of us share a responsibility to make sure that this is a good community for everyone. And then this, uh, we have, we've taken up this practice of ending our gatherings by saying this very simple but profound thing to one another. And so I say grace and peace be with you and then we simply say back and also with you. And I don't know a better way to just name the hope of this Christmas season, to look one another in the eye and say this. So my friends, grace and peace be with you. Amen. Merry Christmas.